We're going to start a new series today called Taking the Next Steps. Taking the Next Steps. And throughout this series, we're going to be discussing uh, tithing and giving and finances. And so before we even get into it, I want to start by just kind of giving a little bit of, of a caveat to this. Um, first, we're not doing this series because as a church, we're struggling financially. Okay, I just want to say that right off the bat. We're not sharing this because, uh, yeah, praise the Lord for the, for the resources and the abundance. But we're not doing this because I'm going, oh man, we're, we're short on money. We need to somehow increase our giving so we can keep our doors open. That's not at all the case. Uh, the second thing, I, I'm not preaching this series because I'm hoping to gain benefit out of this, right? The offerings that come in on a Sunday morning, I don't get any of that. Right? I have a set income, and so sometimes people have a, a funny concept of that. They think, well, if the offering is above a certain amount, maybe the pastor gets a certain percentage of that. No, that is not the case. Um, and so just want to throw a few of those things out the right way, because people can get kind of funny about it when pastors talk about giving and tithing and those kind of things. And so the reason that we're doing this series and talking about giving and finances and tithing is because I believe that those who give and tithe regularly are extremely blessed in their lives. And my desire as, a, as the pastor of this church is to see each of us in our individual lives and our families blessed as a result of the tithing that we do. Blessed as a result of the biblical principle that God teaches us throughout His Word. And I want to see each of you live that truly blessed life. And that doesn't always mean it comes in a monetary value, right? Just because we're blessed doesn't mean it always comes back in the sense of, oh, hey, I gave my tithe and all of a sudden a check came in the mail the next day for that same amount or more. You know, it can look like all kinds of different things. And so we're going to talk about that throughout this series. And I know for some pastors, this is uncomfortable for them to talk about. Some pastors don't like to talk about giving and finances because it's, it, it can be awkward at times. Uh, I, I'm not at all afraid to talk about it because I think the Bible clearly speaks about it. The principle of tithing and giving is laid out right in Scripture for us. And so just like everything else that we talk about here, it's all about Scripture. Right? It's not uh, about my ideas. It's not about what, what I think and believe. It's just sharing what God's Word has to say about the different things that we discuss here at the church. And so a couple things to get us started. Uh, scripture talks about money over 800 times. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, 800 times Money is talked about. That's a lot, right? 800 times. That's more than heaven and hell combined. Scripture doesn't even talk about heaven and hell nearly as much as it talks about money. And, and I say that because not that money is the most important thing, but because oftentimes money is the thing that can trap and ensnare us more than a lot of other things that we deal with. And so Scripture talks a lot about finances, a lot about stewardship, a lot about uh, being wise with what God has blessed us with and what God has given us. So this morning we're going to look at the biblical principle that's laid out for tithing. And then in a couple weeks, because next week's Father's Day, so we're going to have a separate uh, sermon about Father's Day. In two weeks, I'm going to share a tool with you called the Giving Ladder. And the Giving Ladder is just kind of an assessment tool for us to use as we move forward of saying, okay, this is where I'm at on the Giving Ladder right now. This is another step that I can take on the giving ladder, and I'll explain that in two weeks. Then in the third part of this series, uh, I'm going to challenge you guys, challenge us as a church to say, what is God asking me to do for the rest of 2018? 
Because maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're going, you know, I, I don't give, or I, I don't tithe, or, or it's not maybe consistent. I want to challenge us to say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do for the rest of the year? And I'll explain that when I get to it. But just that that's kind of where we're going. And for some people, maybe this series is going to be difficult. Maybe it's going to be hard to hear. Maybe it's going to seem a little bit awkward to you. But I'm sharing this because I really believe that if we can grasp this idea of giving, of tithing, that your lives are going to be blessed in such great and amazing ways. And that's what I want for you out of this series, is to realize the way that God desires to work and move in your lives. So this morning we're going to start by looking at what most people would probably consider to be the most common uh, passage in Scripture when it comes to tithing. So if you'd like to follow along with me, you can turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. It's the very last book of the Old Testament. So if you make it all the way to the Gospels, go back one book. And as always, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me as well. So Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Right, so in this passage here, the Lord is speaking through Malachi, right? He's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And God is sharing with Malachi, and then Malachi is going and sharing this word with the Israelites. And in this passage, God is reminding them about the promise that he made to the descendants of Jacob, to the, the forefathers of Israel, way back in the book of Genesis, letting them know that the Israelites are still his chosen people, right? It's been thousands of years at this point since God spoke that promise to Jacob and to the forefathers of Israel. And he's reminding them, he's saying, that promise is still true today. You're still my chosen people. He says, but you have chosen to turn away from many of my decrees. Return to me and I will return to you, God says. He says, stop stealing from me. He says, would you steal from a mere mortal? Right? Would you steal from another person that actually has life and death? God is... God is Immortal, right? There is no beginning and no end. He says, but yet, here you are stealing from me. And he says, well, you might be asking why. He says, you're not bringing your tithe and your offerings to me. You're to bring me your tithe. And what does that mean? It means a tent. A tithe is just a fancy word for a tent. Into the storehouse so that there may be supply in the Lord's house. Test me in this, he says. I mentioned this a few weeks ago before our offering. This is the only time in Scripture where God says to test me this. That's important. 
the only time. Right? There, there's a lot of things that repeat throughout Scripture or phrases that are similar. This is the only time that God says, test me in this and see that I, if you, that I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven so much that you won't even be able to store all of the blessings that you have. Not only does he say that we won't be able to even hold all of them, he says that I will prevent anything from hindering or damaging the blessings that you receive. Right? Because even oftentimes, remember, this is back in the agricultural era, when oftentimes, even though they would harvest their food and they would store it away, sometimes varmint or, or bugs or other things would come in and begin to destroy part of the crop that they had. And God is saying, the blessings that you receive from me will be protected from that. There will be nothing that will be able to come against the blessings that I pour out for you. And so this morning, what do I want to focus on? I want to focus on the fact that our God is a very generous God. This morning, we're going to talk about how our God is a generous God. That might not make sense. You go, what do you mean? You're talking about giving. You're talking about tithing. You're talking about us bringing a tenth of what we have to the storehouse. You'll see it's going to make sense as we continue to move on. But just think about this for a moment. Who supplies everything that you and I have? God, right? God supplies 100% of what you and I have. Everything that we have. Everything that we need. And what does he ask for in return? One-tenth of that. So God supplies everything we need. And he simply asks that we return one-tenth of that to him. Right? That's crazy if you, if you think about that for a moment. Not only is he asking for only a tenth of it, but he also says that if you return that tenth of it to me, I'm going to pour out my blessings upon you. Right? And oftentimes those blessings are going to end up being way more than that 10% that you laid down and brought to the storehouse. You're going to be rich, or blessed richly, that you won't even have enough room to store it. So maybe you're sitting here today and you struggle with the idea, I don't know how I could live off of 90% of my income, because right now I struggle to live off 100%. Right? I struggle to even make ends meet with 100% of my income. How is it that I could survive if I only had 90% of my income? I want to challenge you to think about the fact that when you give that 10%, that tithe to the Lord, the blessings that come, as I mentioned, often far outweigh the 100% of the income that you actually have. And I think if I were to share stories, and I'm going to share one in a little bit, but many of you in here who have tithes and given regularly, you could share story after story of saying, you know what, when I, when I have given, God has blessed me beyond anything I could ever imagine. And even though it seemed like that 90% shouldn't have been enough, I was never short. I was never not able to make ends meet in what I needed to do. As I said earlier, maybe the blessings we receive aren't in the monetary nature, but maybe they're in another way. Here's an example of that for my life. So as long as I can remember since I was a little child, I've tithed. And I don't say that to brag. I don't say that to boast in and of myself. I, just, I was taught to tithe from the time that I was a very young child. So whether it was a birthday, Christmas, whatever, if I received gifts of money, I took my tithe out of that, and I brought it into the church in the offering. Even during the, the couple years of my life after my brother died, and I was just in a rough place, and I kind of walked away from the Lord, 
that part never stopped. I, never, I, did, I didn't stop tithing. It was just instilled in me. It was part of what I did. As I said, I'm not sharing this to, to brag about myself, but rather to help you understand the way that God's blessings can work in different ways. So when I was in college, I didn't have a whole lot of money, right? I was a typical college student that really didn't have too much money, and, and I ran into a problem. Right before I was supposed to go back out to North Dakota for college, my car died. So all of a sudden, here I am, about to go out to school, and I don't have a car anymore. And I'm just thinking to myself, what, you know, not only how am I going to get to school, you know, how am I going to get around when I'm out there, those kind of things. And all of a sudden, my brother, my older brother, was selling a car. He and his wife were selling one of their cars, and it was a, a Toyota Corolla, and, and they were like, here, we'll give it to you for $500. And I was like, all right, $500. And then it actually turned out my brother owed my dad $200, so I actually only paid $300 for this car. And had him put a new battery in it. But that's not the end of the story. If you look outside in the pastor's parking spot, you're going to see a 1998 Toyota Corolla with 247,000 miles on it out there. The body is rusting away. The engine runs and purrs like a kitten. But here I am seven years later, still using a car that I paid $300 for, that I simply wanted to just make it through school with. But God causes things to continue to last longer. That's one of the ways God can bless different things. Is saying, you know what? Even though that car probably shouldn't be working anymore, that's part of the blessing that God is placing upon my life and saying, you know what? I'm going to cause that vehicle to continue to work. I've heard stories of people saying, I took tires that should have went 20,000 miles, and I went 70,000 miles on them. Right? There's all kinds of different ways that God can bless us in our life. And that's what I want to share in that example. Of, that they can look all kinds of different ways. It's not always monetary, but sometimes God sustains things longer than they should. Or he helps things to, to maintain better than you would have hoped or thought that they might have. Living the blessed life doesn't always look like the most expensive life, but it's the best life that a person can live. Right? We think of, oh, if somebody's blessed, they must have everything they want. They must... You know, be, have all the money they need, have all the toys they need, be able to do whatever they want. For some people, that, that is the case. God blesses them and, and they have everything they could ever desire and want. But for most of us, that's not necessarily what it's going to look like. But the blessed life is the best life that you and I could ever live. As I mentioned earlier, maybe some of you struggle with the idea of living on 90% of your income. Because 100% seems to barely make it. Jesus talks about this exact idea in Matthew 6. So feel free to turn to the next book in the Bible with me. Because we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? So in the first part of this passage, Jesus is reminding us again that he can protect the treasure or the blessings that he has given us in our lives. Right? The things of this world are going to come in. Right? And if we, we say, well, I'm going to collect all of my treasure here on, on earth and toys and all kinds of things and money and whatever else. The things of this world are going to come in and destroy them. 
right? We, we, we buy a car and we take it off the lot and that thing has lost a ton of value just by driving that thing off the lot. Because that's the thing that is valued by this world. The world puts a value on it. God says, but if you place and store your treasures in heaven, I will protect them. They have a place there where not only can the things of this earth not touch them, there is no thieves that can come in and steal them. Right? There's no one that can break in because sometimes that's what happens today too, right? Maybe, I remember growing up, we had a boat sitting outside in our yard and one day we woke up and the motor was gone. You know, you're like, really? But it, that's the kind of things that happen in the world that we live in today is that thieves come to steal and destroy the things that we have at different times. A common passage that people like to share when it comes to giving, we just read it was verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? Or maybe you've heard someone share this illustration before. Right? Show me your checkbook. Show me your bank statement. Show me whatever it is you use to manage your money, and I'll show you what you value. Right? Show me where your money goes, and I'll show you what you value. Right? Because whatever we value is what our money's going to. Right? Whatever we value is made clear by what we spend our money on. If we continue reading on in that passage with verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Right? Jesus is sharing here about how our eyes are a lamp to our body. The way that you, you can see into the body. They're a window which, which he can look through to see what lies within us. It says here that if our, if our hearts and our, our, were healthy in that way, our bodies would be full of light. And if we're not, it will be full of darkness, right? We hear that analogy all the time, light and darkness. Then he tells them how you and I, we can only serve one master, right? We can only serve one master. We cannot serve both God and money. Or I would say we can't serve God and anything else, whatever you want to put there. It doesn't have to be just money. We can only serve one God. It's not possible. Then he goes on to tell us, he says that we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat or drink or worry about our bodies or the, the clothes that we're going to place on our bodies. Life is about more than that, he says, right? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't store away goods for themselves, but yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks the question, are we not much more valuable to Him than birds? Right? Think about that for a moment. He's saying that the birds and other animals in this world, they don't sit and store stuff up and store it and store it and store it and store it. They just get the food they need when they need to eat it. Right? They're not storing up, but God provides for them. They're not reaping and sowing. God's simply providing for them. And how much more valuable are you and I than birds? 
And then he finishes that off by saying, can anyone actually add a single hour to your life by worrying? Right? Actually, what does worrying do? Worrying probably takes time off of our life, if you think about it, right? The worry and the anxiety that comes along with that. We're not to worry. He's reminding us that I will provide. I am the supplier of all things. Sometimes today you'll hear people say, well, tithing isn't really meant to be practiced anymore. That, that was from the Old Testament law, and it, it was replaced by the new covenant through Jesus. Here's the thing I want to remind you, actually. If you look back at Scripture, the biblical principle of tithing actually goes on before the Old Testament law even came into place. It predates the Old Testament law. If you look at Abraham in Genesis 14, right, he, he's the father of the Israelites. When, when they had won a war, they won a battle, and they had collected all their plunder, what did he do with their plunder? He took a tenth of it, and he brought it to Melchizedek. And he brought it into the storehouse as an offering to the Lord, thanking him for the victory that he had provided for the Israelites that day. After God delivered the Israelites, he took a tenth of it and he brought it to the Lord's house as an offering or a tithe. Also, if you look back in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 25, it reads, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord will choose. So it's teaching this idea of saying, God is going to call us to a place that we are to take a tenth of what he has blessed us with and offer it to him. In this passage, it is saying that God will, God will show you the place that you are to go to bring them. And if you're not able to physically bring it to them, to that place, because it's too far, or whatever reason it may be, it's saying, okay, then take what would be that offering, sell it off for silver, then take that silver and go to the place that God is calling you to go. It's the same concept. Bring it to where the Lord is asking you to bring. Bring it to the storehouse. Bring the offering to the Lord. Setting aside and bringing a tent to the Lord through the biblical principle of tithing has been set before us as an expectation since long before the Old Testament law was even provided. And it continues to apply to us today. So what is the storehouse that's mentioned in Malachi chapter 3? The storehouse is a reference to the local church. It's a reference to the local place that you belong to, that you worship at, that you participate in. That is the idea of what the storehouse is referring to. The body of, that you worship and are a part of. And I want to share one last illustration, or one last passage before we move into our closing illustration this morning. Again, I hope you walk away this morning not simply feeling that I'm asking for your money, because that's not what I'm doing. I'm not sitting up here trying to ask for your money. If tithes and offerings go up in the church, that doesn't mean that I'm going to get paid more. My salary is not dependent upon that, as I mentioned earlier. And I'm not benefiting from an increase in giving or tithes to our church. I wholeheartedly believe that you will be blessed in mighty ways as you begin or continue to follow the Lord's leading in your giving and tithing in your life. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says. 
Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Right? It's talking about how, you know, we reap what we sow, but it's saying those who, who, who plant just a little are going to get a little return. Those who plant much are going to get a generous return. Decide in our hearts what it is that God would have you to give. In a couple weeks, I'm going to talk about that. A tenth tithing is what God calls us to do in Scripture. For some of us in our lives, God is going to call us to give above and beyond that 10%. To give sacrificially, to give in different ways than just simply the tithe that God is asking us for. So in the economy of God, God is asking for a tenth of what it is that he places in our hands. Remember, he supplies everything that you and I need, 100%. But it's simply asking to receive one-tenth of that back in return. So I'm going to finish up this morning by sharing an illustration that I recently saw at another church. Uh, and I think it's just a wonderful visual illustration of the concept of tithing in the nine-tenths verse one. Yeah, Bob and Joy, you can come up, please. And I hope this will help us to see and understand how truly generous God is. How God truly uh, is a generous God. And there's a few things that I'm going to share throughout this time. But Bob and Joy are going to assist me this morning. So I'm going to ask you, you want to bring up those bananas, right? We've got ten bunches of bananas right here. Ten bunches of bananas. So what do we do? Scripture says we take the first and we give it to the Lord, right? And we get to keep the other nine. Right. Give God his first. God says... Here you go. You can keep the other nine. Right. Dave Ramsey, right? John loves Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. He, has a, he, he made a statement that he says that most Americans could actually afford to live on 90% of their income without even having the blessing of God. We're so privileged in America that most of us could actually live on that 90% without even actually having to worry about having the blessing of God upon our lives. Yep, so next, we got carrots, right? Carrots. We take the first. We give it to the Lord. He says, keep the other nine bags of carrots. Right? Because when we think about this, we go back to the, the teaching in the Old Testament. It was an agricultural society. And that's what they were doing. And I made mention of this a few weeks ago, though, right? They, did, they brought the first of their fruits into the storehouse, not knowing what the rest of their harvest was actually going to look like. So not only did they have to practice cucumbers, take one, we keep that. Uh, but they, they had to have faith too of knowing that, you know what, I believe that the rest of my harvest is actually going to come in. And that's part of what God is saying, if you can trust me in this, you can bring your first fruits to me, trust me knowing that not only will I provide the 90%, mmm, green onions, love green onions, give the Lord one, Keep nine, right? God, another thing that I, I want to just mention as we were going through this illustration here, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, lettuce, mm, zero quality to lettuce at all. But we keep, we give God one, we keep the other, I mean like, you know, nutritional value. I don't mind lettuce, there's just really no nutritional value to it. Um, but if you look at the teachings of Jesus throughout 
you know, some of the parables he shares and whatnot. Whenever he's talking about finance, whenever he's talking about resources, who is he talking about as a supplier? He's talking about God as our supplier. And what is our role in that? We are the stewards or the managers of what God blesses us with. Right? So, what do we got? We got some onions. Mmm, I love When I was a kid, I used to pick onions out of our garden, and I would just rinse them off and eat them like an apple. I love, love onions. Nothing beats a fresh onion. Terrible breath, but nothing beats a fresh onion. But it's just this idea. Scripture tells us that God is the supplier, and we are the managers or the stewards of what God blesses us with. So that means that, you know, when, when we have all of this, God is saying simply, all right, we've got some pears. All right, so we take the first pear, place it before the Lord. We keep nine. Take the first avocado, place it at the Lord's table. We keep nine avocados for ourselves, right? Are you guys picking up on the concept of what we're talking about here? But just, just think about this for a moment. God asked for this. We get to keep this. Right? What do we got? We got some celery. All right, celery. Good with wings. Good with wings. We, we, we keep one, or give, sorry, we give one to the Lord. Limes, limes, avocados, guacamole, dynamite. But we give the Lord his, we keep nine. We got our celery. We're still, oh, what do we got? We got peaches, fresh peaches. We give the Lord one peach. He says, keep the nine peaches. Right? And we just we can keep going on and on. I think the celery, the last one that we have over there. I think so. Looks like it. So just a few more things as they're just finishing up piling that up on there. A couple things I want to make mention. We've got some students in here this morning. Students, first I want to say thank you. Our students are very generous. Our students give regularly to, to missions, to speed the light. And I think thank you, Bob and Joy, for your help. Um, it, it, but I want to share this with you. Tithing is not your parents' responsibility. As a student, tithing is not your parents' responsibility. It's their job to help teach you how to tithe, to model tithing, to, to explain to you what that means. But if you have a job, if you have income as a student, God is calling you to lay a tenth of that down at the storehouse in a tithe, in learning that. If you're making money, I want to encourage you to begin practicing tithing and giving the Lord what is His. <laughs> Learning that is what's best for you. Because here's the other side of it. If a person learns to live on 90% of their income from the time that they're young, they don't even know what it's like to live on 100% of their income. That's just the honest truth. There's people that I, I know that have said, I've never lived off 100% of my income, so I don't even know what it would be like. I've never been short. You know, the 90% has never been not enough. But I don't even know what it's like to live on 100%, because I just take that 10% and give it to the Lord. Living on the 90%. couple verses to finish us off here. Psalm 89, 11. The heavens are yours, and yours are also the earth. You founded the world and all that's in it. Right again, so not only talking about how God is our provider, right? God's our creator. He made all things. He made this world. He made our existence. He makes you and I. And he made all this. So everything is his. But yet, what does he ask for? A tent. He says, keep the 90. Keep this. Bring this to the storehouse. Lay it down. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. But again, think about this for a moment. Okay, we could add this to this, and really, does it make that big of a difference? No, it doesn't. But we take away this, this portion of it, and then we, we sit here with what we have left, and then God blesses it. And I just, I, I picture this of God opening up the floodgates of heaven and blessings, and it's just flowing all over. Because God is blessing it. God is bringing down what it is that we need to make sure we're taken care of. But I'm not talking excessive gain and wealth, but God meeting our needs and what we have in our lives. Right? Our God is the creator of all things. Bring our first fruits before him. And he will open up the heavens and pour out his blessings upon us. What we're going to do this morning is we're, we're going to have a time of, of prayer in just a moment. And Jesse, maybe if I could just have you come and strum your guitar if you'd be able to. We're going to have a, a time of prayer here. And then when we close, what I'm simply going to do is, and maybe this morning you're going, you know what, actually, uh, things are kind of tough right now. Or maybe I, I could just use a blessing. Actually, what I'm going to do is, we've got all these bags over here. If there's something up here that you could use today, I want you to take it home with you. I want you to, I, I, I don't want any of this left here. I want you guys to take this food, this fruit, these vegetables home with you. It's just another part of the blessing of God of saying, you know, I showed up at church this morning and, and I didn't know that I was going to walk out with anything. But this is just a simple blessing of, of, you know, hey, here's a little bit of fruit and some vegetables. Whatever you think you could use, feel free to grab a bag. Take what you'd like, bring it home with you, and use that. So I'm just going to ask uh, Pastor Max and, and Dee if they'd like to come forward. We're going to have just a time of prayer. And this morning, uh, it doesn't even have to deal with what we talked about. Because maybe that's not something that you're necessarily comfortable coming up and, and, and asking for prayer about. But I do want to challenge you. Maybe if tithing is something that you've had a hard time with or, or you've been resistant to, sometimes all we need is to just be encouraged to to hear a testimony of, of the way that tithing has truly blessed somebody's life. So I want to encourage you, come up and ask me. I'll share with you testimonies of what God has done in my life as a result of, of the blessing of tithing. And I'm sure there are others in this church who would be willing to share as well the blessings and, and testimony of what has happened as a result of the tithing that they've done. So this morning, we're just going to have a time of prayer. Feel free to come forward for whatever it is you like. Father, we thank you for who you are. As our creator, as our father, as our Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We bring glory to you. We declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. And God, we serve you and you alone. Father, we thank you that you are a generous God. That as the one who provides and, and created all things and places all things in our hands, simply you only ask that we would return a small portion, a tenth of that to you and to your storehouse. And that even, even though that we bring the tenth, then it says that in return, you will pour out your blessings upon us. So much that we can't even store them or hold them or, or be able to keep them all in one place. Lord, we thank you for that promise. Your word says, test me in this 
and see that I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. So Father, for those in here this morning who are not currently tithing, God, I pray that you would work in their hearts and their minds. God, not out of a sense of guilt, not out of a sense, God, you don't need it. You don't need it. You simply ask for it. And God, it's a show of obedience. It's a show of our commitment to you of saying, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you've done all that you said you've done. And if I believe all of those truths, then I believe that as I bring a portion to you, God, that your blessings will come. And Father, we thank you for the privilege and honor it is that we're able to return to you a portion of that. It's something that we have the opportunity to do and to do cheerfully and with a wonderful attitude. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity. God, that we have to, to sow back into your kingdom. You've given everything, and you only ask us for a portion. You are a generous God. You are a good God. We thank you for that. I pray as we go out now, Father, you will use us in mighty and powerful ways. God, use us to be a witness, a testimony, a light, Father, to those around us. God, that we can continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to chisel the iron range and around the world. We thank you for your leading and your directing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.